0: Hello and welcome to the RCP Medicine Podcast with me, Dr Amy Burbridge. I'm an acute physician working in Coventry and today we have a special guest. I'm Kat Atkin, I'm an acute medicine trainee in the West Midlands. Welcome. So, you've got a case
1: for me? I have, yeah. Going to be a bit of a test? Oh, uh, so I was hoping this will bring you back to when
0: you were um, a medical red. Okay, which was only a few months ago.
1: Um,
0: Gosh, okay, so, go ahead. Um, So... The hospital that I
1: last worked at, uh, so as part of the medical on-call team, you are the doctor for the stroke team overnight. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes. So you are the very first person to see any patient that the paramedics are bringing in from the community and think is a stroke. Okay. So these should be patients where the paramedics have triaged them and said that they are fast positive. So symptoms affecting their speech or face. Mm -hmm. Um, So facial symptoms, arm weakness, leg Mm -hmm. weakness, Mm -hmm. um, or speech change. Okay. Um, And they bring them directly in to to the emergency department and then you see them. So the team is you and a stroke nurse. So you get a call at 10 o'clock. Night or in the morning? In the night saying, can you come and see this patient? Mm-hmm. They're on their way in. So you have your paramedic handover. Okay. So he says, this is David. He's an 85-year-old man. His daughter called us at uh, half eight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He had left-sided weakness in the arm and leg. And they're concerned about him because of the obvious left-sided weakness and because he's got a reduced GCS. Mm-hmm. So his GCS is 11.
0: Okay.
1: So is there anything else you'd like to know from the paramedic?
0: I'd like to know when they picked this gentleman up, when they picked David up, from the history, did he wake up with left-sided weakness or did the weakness happen? Did the daughter see it happening or did she find him with it? Um, so they were sat
1: watching TV, so they'd just had dinner. Yeah. they were sat having a conversation and then suddenly he got left-sided weakness. So okay. it was very sudden and he he'd been absolutely fine mm-hmm. um up until this happened.
0: Okay. Had so when the ambulance crew picked him up had he mentioned a headache or anything prior to this happening? No, no, so he'd
1: been absolutely fine. So no headaches, no other symptoms during the day, he'd nothing
0: unusual had happened, mm-hmm. no falls, no injuries, mm-hmm. completely out of the blue. Okay. So I'd like to know what his observations were and what his blood pressure is. So his blood pressure is 158 over 85. Heart rate is
1: 75.
0: Yeah, regular or atrial fibrillation? Uh,
1: Looks like atrial fibrillation.
0: Okay, yeah. Respiratory rate? Uh,
1: 16.
0: Okay, and temperature? 35.8. Okay, I'd like to know if he's got any past medical history.
1: So he's got a history of hypertension and previous bowel cancer.
0: And has he had any recent operations for the bowel malignancy?
1: No, so that was a few years ago. Okay.
0: Has he ever had a heart attack? No. Ever had a stroke in the past? No. Any medications that he takes?
1: Uh, so he does take some regular medication, mm. but unfortunately he hasn't
0: got the list with him. Okay. Has the daughter come in?
1: Yeah, so she's come with him. Okay. Yeah. She's just sat outside waiting at the moment.
0: Okay. So we're really good to have a chat to her as well, wouldn't it, and find out what's going on, okay. Do you know of any allergies that he's got? So no, no allergies. Okay, okay. Um, And um, what about smoking alcohol? Uh, Doesn't smoke, Mm -hmm. occasional drink, but not regularly. So we've got an 85 year old man, sudden onset of left-sided weakness in the arm and leg with a GCS of 11. Why is his GCS low?
1: So he's, GCS is, so motor, He scores six, so maximum uh, eye openings, four. Okay. Um,
0: So he sat there looking around, but verbal's one. So he's able to maintain his own airway. He's looking around and he's able to... Okay, so the first thing I need to do then as the thrombolysis registrar on call is fully assess this patient. So I need to, again, do the normal sort of emergency a to e approach with him. And then I need to examine him. And I need to try and find out what caused this sudden onset of weakness. Does he still have that weakness now as well? Is it get, getting better? Is it getting worse? And I need to have a chat to the daughter as well. Yep, yeah. That's Thank really, you. really important. Okay.
1: So you you go to examine him. So you're going to do a full neurological examination. Mm-hmm. So the, the way to do it is in a s- structured approach to the examination. Mm-hmm. So you can do an examination that fits into the that will give you an nihss score what's that stand for so that is the national institute's for health stroke scale okay yep um and that for a patient where you think they might have had a stroke gives you a really structured way of examining them so looking at all the particular kind of neurological deficits that you might have from a stroke um, and kind of grading how severe you think the stroke is um, so it's, it's an internationally standardised way of examining and it has good reliability between examiners. So it's important that you can do the examination that way so that when you then speak to, say, the stroke consultant, yeah. um, that they can be fairly sure that what you've, your examination matches what, they, what you're telling them. Okay. So it's 11 questions. Yeah. And there's really specific guidance on how to do the examination for the different parts um, so it looks at conscious level their gaze the visual fields yeah. uh, whether there's any facial palsy the motor function in each of the arms and each of the legs whether there's limb ataxia, sensory disturbance the language mm-hmm. dysarthria mm-hmm. and ex- extinction and inattention so like neglect. So it's quite, it's quite a difficult thing to
0: actually do, isn't yeah. it?
1: So it's, it's a really detailed examination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you really need is a, a, either a printed version mm. or to look at it as you're
0: doing it. You need a prompt, don't you? Yeah.
1: So because um, it's quite important that you've, you've done each part accurately, there are instructions on how to do the examination as you go through and how to score it okay. so for instance if a patient can't obey commands yeah. or can't talk to you then how do you assess your visual fields yeah. and if you follow the instructions on the nihss then it tells you what to do in those situations okay so it's very very so it makes though. it a lot clearer and it is it looks very complicated the first time or the first couple of times that you do it mm-hmm. but um once you're a little bit more used to doing it, then it does make it a lot easier, mm-hmm. and it means that it's it's kind of an easier examination as you're going through mm-hmm. than trying to look at all the different components of say tone and power and reflexes and put that together. Um, so for for him, so I'm not going to read through exactly how to do the NHSs no. because okay. it, as I said, it is complicated, and the best way to do it is to read through it, yeah, unless it's something that you do really frequently. Mm-hmm so he he wasn't able to answer questions Mm -hmm. so he got two points for that um he wasn't completely able to follow commands yeah so when you're doing it you're supposed to give them two different commands and see whether they can follow both of them okay so he only followed one of the two commands right um he had a little bit of asymmetry to his face Mm -hmm. when he was moving his mouth um he had no movement in his left arm okay. or his left leg. Okay. Um because he wasn't talking mm. and wasn't moving his arm and leg, then it's quite difficult to assess like mm. sensation. Mm. Um but the NHS NIHSS explanation tells you how to score that. So that scores a okay. one automatically. Okay. And then as it so he had absolutely no speech. So he wasn't talking at all or mm. making um any slurred speech or any noises. So then he scored two points for language and two for dysarthria. So his, his NIHSS score was 17. That's high. Yeah.
0: So I need, really need to scan this man's head. Yeah. Okay, because at this point, um, I've got a man who, as you've just described, is, is very poorly. He's got a lot of symptoms. I need to scan it ideally within well, the next slot available, definitely within one hour, and it needs to get reported as well. Um, and that's really important that it gets that done. And we're going to do a CT head. Um, particularly, um, we, we, I'm thinking an acute stroke. Um, I don't know whether it's ischemic or hemorrhagic at the moment. Um, I need to find out which, because am I going to anticoagulate him? Am I going to thrombolize him? Has he got a bleed, um, a bleeding tendency? There's lots of things going on here that I need to really look closely at his brain so it's really important that it gets done um need to give him some oxygen if their oxygen levels drop less than 95 and also look at his glucose as well so his
1: glucose was fine it was 8.2 so the paramedics had done that already before we came to hospital okay so he went for a CT head straight away um, so as you said, it should be done as soon as possible. Yeah, um, and that's mainly to look for whether there's um, any bleeding, mm-hmm. uh, because if it is an acute stroke, then there might not be any uh, any signs of an ischemic stroke um, on the CT scan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's most important that you are making sure that there isn't any bleeding there already, or anything that might suggest that there's another cause for his symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the plain CT head doesn't look like there would be um any potentially potential for like a space occupying lesion or something like that
0: okay so one of the things we need to rule out also on the ct head is a stroke mimic so we need to make sure that he hasn't got a space occupying lesion that this there is no evidence of dementia um in the background has he got delirium that could be causing it um glu- yeah it's
1: really important when if there's somebody that was there with them that saw this is to ask whether there's any chance that there was it was a whether there's any history of seizure. Absolutely. When it yeah. started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also glucose is important because we know that hyperglycemia can cause these similar symptoms as well. Yeah. So, okay. So we're looking at stroke mimics. Okay. So the CT head was normal. So his CT head was normal. Okay, so we've now got a gentleman with a high NIHSS score. Yeah. His CT head's normal. We don't think it's a stroke mimic. So we've done full blood count, use and ease, lfts, chest x-ray all so they've all limits. been sent off. Okay. Okay. So we know that he's got atrial fibrillation. But so it looks like on him... it on the monitor, but um,
1: he is, his his daughter when when you've asked her, he wasn't known to have an af.
0: Okay. So he's not on any preventative So medication. We don't think he's on any, any medication which is a direct oral anticoagulation, okay. And he's hypertensive. Um, so he's at high risk of developing thromboembolic disease or a stroke. So now we need to start to think about thrombolysis.
1: Yeah. Essentially, through the your, you need to think about thrombolysis as soon as possible mm-hmm. um, because there is only a set window where you can give thrombolysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, his time of onset of his symptoms was very clear. Yes, 8.30. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and you're seeing him at 10 o'clock. So he's... When he arrived, he mm-hmm. would have been an hour and a half afterwards. Um, by the time you've examined him and sorted the CT scan out, yeah. hopefully that should only be, well, in this case, it was about half an hour later. So at the m- moment, you don't have any reason to think he can't have thrombolysis.
0: Okay. Um, I, however, he's not able to consent to thrombolysis. No. So this is going to be difficult because he doesn't have capacity because he can't communicate. And there are many absolute and relative contraindications to thrombolysis. There are. So it's quite, it seems like quite a big
1: treatment to commit to and take on. So you need to be really sure that there isn't any reason why he can't have thrombolysis.
0: So what would the absolute contraindications to thrombolysis be? So it's really important that you've got
1: a known time of onset because you only have this short window. It's four and a half hours. Four is and, and a half hours, yeah, in which they can have the thrombolysis you need to make sure he hasn't had any major surgery within 14 days Mm -hmm. um, or any um, gastrointestinal bleeding Mm -hmm. um, in the last three weeks, um, that he doesn't have any any intracranial malignancy um, that might increase increase his risk of bleeding if you gave him the thrombolysis. Um, Importantly, that he he doesn't have any intracranial bleeding so that that CT scan doesn't show any evidence of bleeding. and that the symptoms that he's had aren't more suggestive of something like a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Okay. And you need to make sure that his blood sugars, uh, he's not hypoglycemic yeah. and that his blood sugars less than 20. And then you need to make sure that his blood pressure is, doesn't have to be normal, mm-hmm. uh, but it should be below 185 over 110.
0: Okay. And I know that the, there's a new NICE guideline, isn't that? Yep. On the management of ischemic stroke. Um, and it's I know that they only now suggest antihypertensive treatment in patients with acute ischemic stroke if there is a hypertensive emergency with one or more of these issues, hypertensive encephalopathy hypertensive nephropathy, hypertensive cardiac failure or myocardial infarction, aortic dissection. And pre or eclampsia, so that's if it's happening in a pregnant woman. Um, and then we're going to think about, as you say, blood pressure needs to be less than 185 over 110, particularly if they're candidates for thrombolysis. How would you manage their blood pressure?
1: Um, so if, if you're thinking about... Thrombolysis for them. You need something that's going to work quickly if they're still within the window. Okay, yes, of course. So then they might need something like some IV libetolol, so an IV beta blocker Mm -hmm. that would bring their blood pressure down. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things that are used in um, acute stroke, um, things like um, GTN infusions, so
0: IV GTN. Okay, it's complicated. I have to say that thrombolysis in stroke scares me a little bit and I think that's probably because I haven't done it often enough or it's not something that I see often enough and I've probably haven't had adequate training in
1: yes so. and I think it's always something that should be discussed with a stroke consultant absolutely because there are a lot of reasons why patients might not be suitable for thrombolysis yeah. um, and it isn't it is a patient by patient decision. Mm-hmm. whether they need to have thrombolysis or whether they're suitable for thrombolysis mm-hmm. um and ideally so it should be discussed with the patient mm-hmm. before they have the thrombolysis if they're able to um about what are the the risks mm-hmm. of thrombolysis mm-hmm. so um if you thrombolyze a patient for stroke there's about a 1 in 3 chance that they will improve um but there's also a 1 in 20 chance of bleeding it's so quite, that's quite a high yeah, and that's something that needs discussing with yeah. the patients, mm-hmm. or in so in this case, we discussed with his family. So mm-hmm. we spoke to his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, who was there, and with his other daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him, we decided. So we spoke to the stroke consultant mm-hmm. and said, actually, we like we should offer him thrombolysis, mm-hmm. um, and discussed it with his daughter. Yeah. And actually, so this was a gentleman who was really well. Normally, so he lives on his own. He drives. He does um, all his own shopping. Mm -hmm. So for him, this stroke and the symptoms that he was presenting with is going to have a significant impact, of course, um, on his life, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly with the speech. So his family felt that for him, he he would want to he would want to try.
0: Okay, yeah, and thrombolysis is is with alteplase. It is, yeah. Okay. um and before i mean is there any other options apart from before we thrombolyse i mean i know there's a debate about offering aspirin or any other antiplatelet therapy if thrombolysis wasn't an option so what would we use then at that point um so if thrombolysis isn't
1: an option so as you said um, high dose aspirin
0: yeah 300 milligrams
1: 300 milligrams so again you you need, still need the ct head first yeah. before you give um before you give the aspirin mm-hmm. so f- for instance if a patient came in and they were outside of the window for thrombolysis or they weren't suitable for thrombolysis then they might get
0: aspirin instead and if they have a swallowing problem you can give it perectally or nasogastrally yeah okay and it's really important that patients who come in with a stroke mm-hmm. have a swallow assessment as soon as possible yeah okay and you continue this aspirin for two weeks and then you go into a more long-term antithrombotic treatment. And what might you use? Statinlipidogral, so, yeah, um,
1: seventy-five milligrams once a day. Okay. Um, and then patients, you also need to look at uh, whether they've got atrial fibrillation as well, because then you might think about anticoagulation okay. for the atrial fibrillation. Okay. What about thrombectomy? So, um. There's kind of increasing evidence that you can do thrombectomy. Okay. So this is where if you've got an intracranial proximal large fresh vessel occlusion, mm-hmm. um, then patients might be suitable for a thrombectomy. Yeah. Um, so those can be done within if within six hours of symptom onset, okay. or within twenty four hours if you've had imaging that suggests that you can salvage brain tissue. So they would. Pro- Still need a CT head to start with yeah but then to kind of image any proximal large vessel occlusion so you might have a suggestion from the plain CT yeah. that there might be might be an occlusion there um, but you need a CT angiogram from the aortic arch to the skull vertex to properly image okay um, so it's not necessarily something you'd do for for everybody and
0: mm-hmm. there's currently only certain centers that Can offer thrombectomy. Yes. Okay. So it depends on location as well. And I know years ago, there was a theory about hypothermia to protect the brain tissue, but I know that that, that's not done anymore. And I know the guys' guidelines is very clear that we don't do that. Okay. So they also need to go to a specialist acute stroke unit because I think we know that the evidence has shown that patients respond much better don't they so there's um there is evidence that you are more likely to be
1: alive independent and living at home one year after your stroke if you're admitted
0: to a hyperacute stroke unit wow so that's really important then isn't it absolutely and also positioning again it's going to be about preventing pneumonia dvts and pressure sores Yes. Yeah. It?
1: so it's it so there's kind of a, a kind of package of care that these patients need when mm-hmm. they come into hospital mm-hmm. and um that they'll get when they go to a hyperacute stroke unit. Mm-hmm. So that includes kind of mobility, the blood pressure control, mm-hmm. um, swallowing assessments.
0: Um, yes, because
1: they're a very high risk of
0: aspiration pneumonia, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Um, and um, thromboprophylaxis okay. uh, because so patients who have had a stroke are at high risk of venous thrombiembalism, but yes. they can't be given um,
0: Inoxiparine. Because of the transformation of ischemic to hemorrhagic. Right? Yeah. Okay, so, what, so you'd use TED stockings?
1: So you normally use um, compression devices, so slightly different to TED stockings. Oh. So it's intermittent pneumatic compression. Mm. So sometimes they're like these inflatable things that your legs sit in that try and stop venous stasis in your calves um, and move the blood around to try and stop any clots from forming
0: statins would you start a statin
1: yeah so they should get so after they've had um had their stroke they should um you need to do some investigations to see if there's any reason why they might be more at risk okay. of having a stroke mm-hmm. so you should think about me- measuring their cholesterol um and so getting the blood pressure under control looking to see whether they're in af and if they are then managing their af okay. and making sure that um after the kind of initial stroke treatment that they're started on anticoagulation for AF if they need to. Okay, yeah. And that they get um, the physiotherapy Mm -hmm. and input from speech and language therapy depending on what symptoms that they've
0: got to try and improve um, function after their stroke. Okay, so it's really important that they have the the good physio, the occupational therapy and multidisciplinary. So they really need that MDT approach. Okay, so you mentioned cloppy dog rule. What about if they can't take cloppy dog roll is there another option do you know what this is what before years ago um when cloppy dog roll wasn't around so you you still see some patients on diaper you do yeah that's what we used to use we used to use diperidomol modified release with aspirin because cloppy dog roll we didn't use at all it's only a few months ago but um yeah so interesting how things change in such a short amount of time in the different medications that we do use absolutely so then he's going to statin, clopidogrel, PE, thromboproflaxis, DVT, roflaxis, um, the specialist acute unit, anything else that's key in the management of ischemic stroke. Um, I know that there is some talk about decompressive hemicraniotomy. If somebody's had a middle cerebral artery infarction, very specialised, not some something that's a possibility, but it's not something that...
1: Yeah, so that's... Um- Sometimes, if you have edema mm-hmm. from the infarct, then that can cause um, raised intracranial pressure, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if in patients that have had a big Um, infarct it's important that you keep an eye on them and um, particularly on their GCS Mm -hmm. and on whether their neurological symptoms are changing and if you have any concern then they might need re-imaging with a repeat CT head to have a look and see whether there's any evidence of raised intracranial pressure. Okay
0: Right. so if their GCS changes then we must repeat the CT. Okay what happened to to your
1: patients? Um, so he, he was thrombolyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, he he didn't particularly get any better with the thrombolysis, but he had a repeat CT head the next day because you need one after 24 hours to make sure there's no bleeding. And there wasn't any bleeding from the thrombolysis. Okay. Um, so although it didn't make a massive improvement for him, he didn't have any side effects okay. from it. Um, he went to the stroke unit to have his um mdt
0: therapy so it was it wasn't a bad outcome no okay so just to recap then we've talked about ischemic stroke yep and the new guideline on what you to all be aware of is the stroke and transient ischemic attack in over 16s diagnosis and initial management it's nice guideline ng128 and that came out in may 2019 of this year we will put a link on the website to the nihss score and as kat said If you're doing it, make sure you've got it in front of you rather than just trying to remember it because I certainly wouldn't be able to. And if you are on the thrombolysis team where you have the stroke bleep, you should have special training to enable you to carry this bleep when you are a registrar. And we've talked about management of hypertension as well prior to thrombolysis. Thank you very much. That was a good recap of stroke management. In a future episode, we will be covering hemorrhagic stroke, so slightly different. And if you want to get in touch with us, please email at rcp No, you don't email there. If you want to get in touch, please email me at podcasts at rcplondon.ac.uk or tweet me at Amy Burbridge. Goodbye. <laughs>